Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Finally, you're here. Do you know how long I've been waiting? Alright, look, look, it doesn't matter. Come with me. Hold on. Hold on. No, it's not It's not safe to talk out in the open. The Hasbergs have eyes and ears everywhere. Let's... Come here, let's talk in here. Okay. So, are you ready? Are you still on board with this? 
I know, I know it sounds drastic, but I'm telling you, these people deserve it. Thinking they can strip Bohemia of its dignity and freedom. Who do they think we are? Who do they think they are? Do they expect us to just roll over and take it? <sighs> I miss the old days. Rudolf and Matthias were good men in their own way, but this new guy, Ferdinand, I can feel it. It's already started. He has his guys running the city now. Did you see what they did to that church up north? Anyway, you've got yourself a weapon. That's good. But make sure it's loaded. We don't want to shoot them. That's, that's not part of the plan, but we do want to scare them. Hey, hey, don't look at me like that. There'll be hundreds of us there, okay? My bet is that they won't even see you. Strength in numbers. You know how it is. Remember, we have to send a message to Matthias. We have to show him that Bohemia won't be overcome by those Catholic zealots. Just like we did a few years ago. You remember? You were there. Heard you messed up that nobleman pretty bad. What was his name again? Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm rambling. Those bells. What time is it? 8.25. Okay, good. They'll be coming back from morning mass right about now. Once they go up into the chancery in the Hradchen, that's when we go after them. Trust me, you won't want to miss this. These guys are never going to forget what happened today. Count Thurin says we should throw them out the windows as is customary, but uh, don't listen to him. He gets a bit worked up sometimes. I'm sure this will all go off without a hitch. Come on, let's go back outside. The music sucks in here. There they are! There they are! Look over there! Look! There's our men. Alright, no going back now. Come with me. I'll introduce you to them. Don't be nervous. Come on, let's go. On this day, 400 years ago, the 23rd of May, 1618, a storm was about to break. It was a storm with several layers and several ingredients, and there were several ways to contain this storm, if certain individuals moved quickly enough. As it happened, the storm was allowed to break, and years of tension, mistrust and anger boiled over in an unlikely city, Prague, the capital of Bohemia. The scene has since been immortalised in countless narratives and accounts of the Thirty Years' War. It stands as the start point of the most destructive, devastating conflict to rip through early modern Europe. At Radchin Castle in Prague, the Catholic representatives of the Habsburg family met with the Bohemian justice of the enraged defensors, individuals appointed for the very purpose of defending the religious liberties of the Bohemian people. These defensers were greatly angered at the pace with which the Letter of Majesty, that document which guaranteed such rights and liberties for the Bohemian people, had been infringed and disrespected by their new Bohemian king, a Habsburg by the name of Ferdinand. In the upper room of Radchin Castle stood the representatives of Ferdinand, his Catholic councillors. The defensers had the opportunity now to focus all of their rage on these individuals, in a manner which they would never in their wildest dreams be able to direct towards Ferdinand himself. To reach the upper room of the castle required to climb up several stone steps, 
and though the morning was a relatively cool one, the exertion and tension increased the atmosphere and temperature, making this climb a difficult one. The Bohemian deputies crowded into the chamber after their long climb, accompanied as was customary by their servants, who had been armed of course. Tensions reached a fever pitch and all were hot and breathless from the climb, tense and apprehensive in the knowledge of what they had agreed to do, recorded Geoffrey Parker in 1979. The Catholic Habsburg councillors were asked some questions and were accused of betraying the Bohemians and of being enemies of the religion and liberties of the Bohemian people. In such a cramped room with close to 200 people packed together, it was difficult to see what was happening, but the voices rose higher and the room grew hotter. The windows of the chamber were opened, but not for the purpose of decreasing the temperature. A hundred hands dragged them towards the high window, flung back the casement and hurled them upwards, wrote C.V. Wedgwood in 1938. A measure of comedy followed the serious and weighted event. One of the councillors who had been thrown out of the window cried, Jesu Maria, help! before crashing over the sill and into the sixty feet of air below. We will see if your Mary can help you, jeered one of the Bohemians at the ejected councillor before looking over the window ledge and exclaiming, By God, his Mary has helped! The three unfortunate figures that had been thrown out of the window had landed, miraculously or hilariously, depending on whom you asked, on a pile of filth which had accumulated in the castle's courtyard. Three figures, two of them Hasburg councillors and one a secretary who had been in the wrong place at the wrong time, had suffered the ignoble fate of being hurled out the window by the enraged Bohemian deputies. This was the defenestration of Prague. In fact, it was the second defenestration of Prague since the first had taken place almost exactly 200 years before, in July 1419. Then there had been no pile of refuse to save the ejected figures and all men who had been thrown from the windows of the Prague Town Hall, some way down the street, had died from the fall. Little wonder that one of the leaders of the Bohemian Protestant rebels remarked in 1618 that it was time to throw them out of the windows, as is customary. Okay, so you're back from your toilet break. Look, I get it. The nerves must be high. We've all been there. Make sure you stay close to me and remember the plan. And are you certain your pistol's loaded? Personally, I think you're crazy. Give me a good strong sword any day. Am I right, boys? Don't talk to me. Typical. You give a bohemian a bit of land and suddenly he thinks he's God's gift to the nobility. Anyway, I know I'm rambling. I'm sorry. We're nearly there. Hey, watch where you're going. Look, don't mind. Don't mind these civilians. They're just here because they can sense it. They know we're about to take back our country's freedom. This is an historic day in Prague. You know what they look like, right? There's three of them. Count Yaroslav Barzida of Martinitz, Count Wilhelm Slavata of Klum, and Matthew Leopold Popolovkovich. One of these traitors signed away our rights in the name of the papacy and that Jesuit puppet Ferdinand, and we're going to find out which one did it. Oh, look, look over there. That's Count Turn. I told you his beard was impressive. All right, it's 9am now. We've got to move. Come on, let's go.
1618 defenestration was not destined to be a mere protest, or even the beginning simply of a revolution on the national level, but of a conflict scarcely within the imagination of its contemporaries. That the Catholic Habsburg councillors had not died from the fall resembled something of an inauspicious beginning to the revolt which was to follow, and of course the war which was to follow that, but there was soon to be no shortage of death and destruction, first in Bohemia, and then across the entire continent, as the flags of revolution and then total warfare were unfurled. The defenestration of Prague was a 17th century's version of the French Revolution and the execution of King Louis XVI, or the 20th century's assassination of Franz Ferdinand with the First World War that followed, or even the new era of terrorism proclaimed by the September 11 attacks of 2001. The defenestration set the tone for what was to follow in this eventful century, but it also resembled a point of no return for those bohemians who had taken an active part in its proceedings. Initially, at least, the rebellious bohemians refrained from announcing their formal deposing of King Ferdinand of Bohemia, and instead they ignored him and conducted all business through the Holy Roman Emperor, the ailing Emperor Matthias. It was understood that Ferdinand would succeed Matthias as Holy Roman Emperor upon the latter's death, which would surely place Bohemia in a position of great peril and force its people to make some difficult decisions. Ferdinand had never made much efforts to ingratiate himself towards the Bohemians, or to ease their concerns about their religious rights and privileges. Instead, Ferdinand plotted in secret to do away with the Letter of Majesty which guaranteed such rights, and in public he put on a stoic, almost disinterested face when the topic came up for conversation. As far as Ferdinand was concerned, the Bohemian constitution was his to mould and bend as he pleased, and whatever commitments he made to the Bohemian people to respect promises that had been made before, his Jesuit advisers assured him that he was not truly bound by treaties made with heretics. The month of May will not pass away without great difficulty, because everything has already been prepared, especially in those places where the community has great power. These were the words of Johann Kepler, the astrologer and mathematician of the Habsburg court in Vienna, in 1618. Kepler's prediction was to prove tragically, frighteningly accurate, for the continent was engulfed in conflict for the next three decades, making his anticipation merely of great difficulty one of that century's great understatements. Kepler's prediction was based upon sound and solid evidence provided by the continent's inherent tensions and the consistent efforts to ease these tensions, which were felt to be inadequate. Since 1555, a religious peace had been maintained with some notable interruptions, but since the dawning of the 17th century, this religious peace between the peoples of the Holy Roman Empire appeared to be in consistent danger. In 1608, following a Catholic duke's seizure of a largely Protestant town, several Protestant princes walked out of the imperial diet, the traditional method of solving such problems, and gathered together to form their own grouping, the Evangelical Union, which was countered the following year by another confessional alliance, the Catholic League. In 1610, these two groups looked set to rip the other apart when a succession crisis emerged in a lucrative set of duchies, south of the Dutch border. In 1611, Bohemia rose in revolt against the religious restrictions of the Habsburgs, and while one historian has categorised that revolt in 1611 as an aristocratic coup led by a minority of desperate, militant Protestants, 
the event was nonetheless a significant prelude to what followed in 1618 and a warning which the Habsburgs failed to heed. The Europe of 400 years ago had experienced its fair share of tensions then, but by 1618 it had also seen its share of peace treaties being negotiated and acknowledged. Between the Spanish and the French in 1598, the Spanish and English in 1604, the Ottomans and the Austrian Habsburgs in 1606, the Spanish and the Dutch in 1609, peace treaties were agreed upon, and even while their duration varied with the Spanish-Dutch peace in particular declared only as a 12 years truce to expire in 1621, it could be said in the late 1610s that peace was an objective of Europe's leaders. In 1620, a play, The Triumphs of Peace, was performed in London as a tribute to King James I and VI's role as a peacemaker in Europe, as much as it was an anxious declaration by the British people that this role should be allowed to continue and that England should not be sucked into the vortex of conflict which the Bohemian Revolt resembled in 1620. By that point, of course, the tensions and passions of Bohemia's populace had already escaped their Pandora's box, never to be easily or quietly returned. The following year, the peace between Spain and the Dutch expired, and conflict became the norm of European relations yet again. Three years after that, in 1625, Denmark intervened in the conflict. Five years after that, in 1630, Sweden made its move, and five years after this, in 1635, France acted in the name of its interests and those of its allies to intervene as well. These religious justifications, as much as the constitutional and the political, would never have culminated in the manner that they did, if not for the eruption of the defenestration of Prague. Bohemia was a complex, varied kingdom with a rich history of religious difference, a proud record of independent thinking and a clear passion for individual representation. It was practically rich in agricultural wealth as well, and its tax yield was large enough to supplement the numerous expenses of the Austrian Habsburg family. Bohemia appears in retrospect a somewhat unlikely candidate for the birthplace of the Thirty Years' War, yet a closer look reveals a history not only of complexity or independence, but also of division and tension against appointed rulers. Since 1609, when the Letter of Majesty was wrested from the Holy Roman Emperor and Bohemia's religious rights were guaranteed, matters had gradually taken a turn. In 1611, the aforementioned revolt against Catholic Habsburg control took place. In 1614, controversy raged as the Habsburg councillors moved to shut down two Protestant churches constructed under the terms of the Letter of Majesty. In 1615, Bohemia's representative assemblies condemned the efforts of the ruling Habsburgs to terminate Protestant worship in certain portions of Bohemia and to rely upon loopholes and technicalities to achieve these unsavoury ends. In 1617, the same year Ferdinand was confirmed as King of Bohemia, Protestants in certain Bohemian towns were arrested and their churches were torn down. Over 1617-18, the censorship of the Bohemian press followed, and non-Catholics, who made up 90% of Bohemia's population, were not permitted to enter Bohemian office. This process of creeping anti-Protestantism and the curtailing of their freedoms was deeply resented and feared by the defensors, those individuals who were entitled, under the 1609 Letter of Majesty, to maintain Bohemian independence in religious expression and to challenge those figures who attempted to block these entitlements. 
In March 1618, the defensors met and sent a weighted letter to Matthias, the Holy Roman Emperor, bypassing Ferdinand, the King of Bohemia, and demonstrating their clear distrust for that militant Catholic figure. The defensors appealed to Emperor Matthias for a redress of their grievances, but Matthias rejected their appeals in late March 1618, and more provocatively, forbid the defensors from meeting again, which was a violation of the Letter of Majesty, which had already been enshrined in Bohemia's constitution. On the 21st of May, the defensors met again, and it was during this meeting in Prague that the defensors committed themselves to the action two days later, which was to immortalise this quarrel with the Habsburg family, and explode into a conflict without parallel in historical memory. This is it, look, Count Turn is leading the way. We must follow him. I heard that there were exactly 666 steps to the top of Hradjan Castle. Or wait, maybe that was 66. Oh, I'm shaking. Okay, come on, we can do this. We owe it to the people of Bohemia and to this city of ours. <sighs> Don't forget, an emperor made his home here, and if it was good enough for the Habsburg Emperor, then it's worth fighting for. Oh man, these steps are rough. Maybe there really is 666. Never mind. Oh, I can see the top. There it is. They must be in there already. Let's file in quietly at the back. Come on. We really, trust me, we really don't want to miss this. Shh, shh, be quiet. Shut up. Count Thurn wishes to speak. Silence. Silence! Counts Martinitz, Slovata and Lobkovich, you all stand accused of violating the Letter of Majesty and turning this country over to traitors and malcontents. What say you in your defence? Kill them! Speak louder so that all of my lords can hear you, for we are all bohemians here, and we are all representatives of this great country and its people. Huh. Wait, what's that? Lobkovich is innocent, you say? Yes, he was. Always an honourable man. Well, then that just leaves two. Martinitz, Slavata, and... Oh, look! This must be their secretary. What an honourable man trying to hide under a table. The time has come to pronounce sentence on you traitors. You are enemies of us and our religion. You have desired to deprive us of our letter of majesty, have horribly plagued your Protestant subjects, and have tried to force them to adopt your religion against their wills, or have had them expelled for this reason. My friends, were we to keep these men alive, then we should lose the letter of majesty and our religion, for there can be no justice to be gained from or by them. Kill them? Shoot them! Out the windows with them all! Who said that? Yes, you know, I like that idea. Friends, I must confess I am quite hot from the climb and in need of some help bringing these men where they need to go. Open the windows! It's time we sent a message to your rotten Habsburg masters. Out, out, out with you! And if God is good, he will deliver our beloved country from your corruption. May he have mercy on you. 
and may he have mercy on us all. Four hundred years ago, Western Europe stood on the precipice, and with the defenestration, all those miniature conflicts and tensions which had accumulated, but which had also failed to properly erupt, seemed poised at last to detonate. The story of the Thirty Years' War begins in Prague on the 23rd of May 1618, but this conflict was not caused solely by the actions or the anxieties of the participants there. The Thirty Years' War was prolonged and intensified by a long list of factors, ranging from convoluted international diplomacy to dynastic competition to even fears of absolutism. 400 years ago, the defenestration was the talk of Europe, and subject to many a pamphlet war as citizens and potentates alike picked aside. Waves of violence accompanied this process, making the distinction between God or the devil difficult and painful for many who were trapped hopelessly in the middle. The Bohemian Revolt, destructive as it was, proved to be just the first of many more destructive phases, and even when the origins of the revolt and the drama of the defenestration had long been forgotten, the conflict limped onward, pulling in virtually all of the powers of Europe at some point or another, killing millions of people and destroying billions of crops, farms, houses, towns, livelihoods and, yeah, lives. In our series on the Thirty Years' War, it is my mission to capture this story as the conflict is traced from its origins in Hradshin Castle to its conclusion in the Peace of Westphalia. The journey was a long and eventful one, and few would survive its total duration. Significant themes, challenges, lessons, revolutions, and legends characterised the period. As desperate princes negotiated for a better deal, families were ripped apart and great triumphs were pronounced. 400 years later, the Thirty Years' War remains a subject of great fascination for many, while it also tends to be virtually unknown outside of the realm of those enthusiasts or professionals who attempt to chart its course. While the true legacy of the conflict over the last four centuries will always be up for debate, I believe there has never been a better time to travel back to 1618 and discover for oneself what made the Thirty Years' War so destructive, so important and so captivating to historians and history enthusiasts of all levels. If you would join me then, I would love to take you there, to this date, to this era and through this conflict, as I unwrap the Thirty Years' War once more. I look forward to it, history friends, but until next time, my name is Zach, and this has been the prologue of the Thirty Years' War. I hope you've enjoyed it, every little last bit of it. Thanks for listening, and I'll be seeing you all soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.